with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, good afternoon, good whatever. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles uh, International. That's it. Yep, I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, unexplained, the unbelievable, England's own Van Helsink. With me, my co-host, the most scholarly, gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Parsons. Good afternoon, evening, morning. Hmm, so anyway... Uh, I want to give a shout out to Tony, the handyman. We uh, answered his question last week and he sent me another email, which a couple of other questions he asked. So I will have to uh, do a little bit of digging into that. Uh, he gave Is that some links. the uh, gentleman with the EMF 390? Yes. Yeah. I, well, I was going to come back to that, actually, if we got a few minutes. Yeah, we can uh, go that route first. Well, sure. Well, it's just that after the email, I, as I said, we, we got one and mm-hmm. um, I, I had a few hours spare the other day and I started uh, tinkering with it again um, and reminding myself. And it, it is, it, it, he's absolutely right. It, it, it's better than most. Um, the reason why we rejected it was, was effectively down to one of range. Um, because what we discovered was whilst it can determine, um, well, there were two issues. First of all, at the radio frequency end, so we said last week it predominantly above 50 megahertz um, for the radio frequency side, although it can use uh, detect the electric fields down to 50, 60 hertz. Um, it, it really is you have to be quite close to the device, such as a Wi-Fi mm-hmm. um, or or something. So if you are using it in a location where you suspect that there is a source relatively nearby, so we're talking within tens of feet, then I would I would go with that um, every, you know, all the time. And it's accurate. You know, it's it's not accurate to the level of an industrial meter but it's mm-hmm. many many orders of magnitude better than a k2 or or one of the the many other meters that come from china um the other issue was the one of the um with the spectrum analyzer the frequency information actually is quite accurate but again, you've got to be close to it, and it has quite an that that feature was primarily intended um, for identifying um, Wi-Fi signals or you know f- uh, signals in that range. So make an excellent bug finder, for example, um, if you suspect that uh, another parrotine or um, I've got an audio bug or a camera bug. Um, but it is, as I said, much, much better than the average EMF meter and surprisingly affordable. It's still on sale on Amazon here in the UK um, for, I think it's £115, um, which oh, is good. 
and probably a lot cheaper in America because it's uh, an American designed device manufactured in America, but uh, in China, but of course sold from the USA. Mm -hmm. So there we are. Okay. And uh, that, that was from Tony. And he, uh, by the way, if you have a question you would like us to comment on, you can certainly send it to us either uh, by message on our Facebook page, Ghost Chronicles International, or my Facebook page, Ronald Kolick, or uh, email me at neghostproject at comcast.net. That's obviously if it's a question. Yeah, obviously, if it's a question relating to psychic abilities, just think it. Yeah, that works too. Yeah. So that was letter N, the letter E, ghostproject at comcast.net. So anyway, uh, we, our astronauts, are getting uh, new spacesuits. Are they? I thought they yes. had. Um, didn't Musk have a brand new spacesuit for the crews that are going up and down to the uh, space station? Well, this is for uh, NASA, NASA uh, astronauts. These All right. Are, these are our own. On the uh, our next trip to the moon, they'll be wearing these. Uh, they're less bulky than the the big ass ones that uh, we wore the first trip to the moon. Yes, we did go to the moon. Uh, so uh, yeah, so it's they're, they're lighter and they're uh, more durable and, and easier to. I should, uh, I should hope so. I mean, you know, fabric technology has moved on leaps and bounds since the 1960s. That's although, true. although you know, you can't beat leather and wax cotton. Although I don't think it makes a very good spacesuit. No. So do you know why spacesuits are, are white, by the way? Um, it's something to do with the heat, isn't it? Reflecting. Um, yeah. Reflecting yeah. light. It's a, yep. it's a thermal thing. Yeah. The, the new ones. Because they, uh, obviously the um, they're also soundproof because you can't hear anybody. Yeah, and of course the the helmets are soundproof because you, nobody can hear you scream in space. Yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah, that's the the story on that. We do have news. But I had something else I wanted to bring up with you too, but I can't remember. Uh, quite. <laughs> but anyway, um, oh, big shout out to Savannah, Georgia, so, and uh, an apology. We've sent Dylan over there for three months. For three months? Yeah, he's not due back for, I think it's 90 days now. Arrived yesterday. Really? Yeah. Well, I know he won't be going to the U.S. Salem. That I do know. That's, yeah. Um, and a big shout out to Willie, who let me know this week that, unfortunately, he had to cancel the their, their planned event on the U.S. Salem. Big shame. Mm -hmm. But, hey. I told you, right? I must be psychic. Um. Well, it's, I mean, it's a shame because, you know... I know I'm not saying it's a shame, but I, <clears throat> I knew that it wasn't going to happen. Because you kept asking me, and you'll be there too. And I says, well, we'll see about that. <laughs> so, well, uh, I mean, you, anyway. you've obviously got a direct line to the guy selling torpedoes. I mean, I have, uh, you know, I have a connection to the metaverse. So, you know, this... And different. finally, a big shout out and a happy birthday to my co-host, who's... Was, like, 300 and something, whatever it is this year. Yeah, close to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. But anyways. Former boyfriend of Mary, Queen of Scots. Really? Well, she liked him young. 
Was she beheaded for me? <laughs> I don't think Skype's working very well tonight. Lots Good. of gaps and pauses. No, it's kind of kind of funky. Anyways, uh, anyway, um, I came across this article and oh god, <laughs> isn't it awful when I read? It's got to be the worst thing in the world. <laughs> when I read something, it's terrible. I know, I know. Yeah, we're going then. Yeah, right. So, uh, you ever hear of the Salem Express? What is it? A bus? A train? Um... Aha! You might ask that. I just uh, did. She, <laughs> she was a fairy, and I don't mean the kind that they have floating around. This is a boat, uh, a ship. Okay. This, she was a fairy, and in 1991, she struck a reef in the open ocean near Egypt and sank in less than 10 minutes, causing the loss of life. Due to her tragic circumstances, the Salem is now the world's most, wait for it, haunted shipwrecks. Really? I kept, I kept asking uh, about it during my time in Egypt and no one would take me there. Each, yeah, uh, offering, Egypt. each offering their own ghost story. This is the, uh, the guy who wrote the article. Oh, I thought you said you've been to Egypt. Yeah, well, I, I should have mentioned it was in third person, but that's it. So anyways, this guy finally uh, took him there. And sure enough, it's a sad story. The Sail Express is true because the ship sank so shockingly fast, there was no time to conduct a proper evacuation. Only 180 people survived the wreck. The official death toll is 470. Right. Youch. Uh, Let's see. Many guides won't go there, partially because of ghost stories. Also, uh, out of respect for the dead. Well, that I believe. Uh, we can. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So, anyways, this guy, uh, of course, uh, talked somebody into taking him there, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't have a story. So, uh, anyways. Uh, The guy goes down there to the ship and he finds that it's haunted. His uh, unsettling claims uh, are overlaid by a video. There's actually a video of this coral and custard thing. Uh, so he strives going down there, partially doing this. Anyways, it's actually true. We did, they prayed before Renton, and as they did, uh, we were prepared for a haunted dive anyways. Do you believe it could be haunted, or is it just a tragic tale? Why not well known as the bigger wrecks as the Titanic? Salem was one of the million shipwrecks. That's a million shipwrecks worldwide that have somber stories. Uh, and where the hell is the rest of the article? <laughs> I can't find it now. <laughs> oh, but anyways, well, he went are. down here. He would no. Well, anyways, he went down here, and the he's got some video of the, of this wreck, and he claims it's haunted. So my question is, there are there's there's tons and tons. Uh, this article says there's you know uh, three million shipwrecks worldwide, which I'm, I assume through history, I would, but three million. I imagine. Is like a lot I imagine. Yeah. 
Hey, on a side note, we've been, we've been sailing around for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, by the way, on a side note, do you know who has the largest navy in the world? Speaking to a Brit. The largest at the moment is China. Wrong. It's well, not Korea. I don't know. No, it can't be because are you sure? It is. Because, well, a US, yes. analyst, a US analyst 24 hours ago claimed that China had the largest navy in the world. Nope, according to... Uh, One of your Department of Defense guys who said it. It was on a news the, article. There, yeah, well, let me finish it. There are between... They don't know the exact number. Somewhere between 700 and 900 ships in the North Korean Navy. Because they can't sail around the peninsula, they actually have two fleets. One on, on the north side, one on the south side, I guess. I'm going to call it one northerly. If they're counting the road. Most of them are just patrol craft and pieces of crap that aren't even seaworthy. But they do hold the record for the largest number of ships. Anyways, back to this. So... I, I, in my book, Ghost of the Day, I wrote a story you tell about... Tell that to your Department of Defense, then. Yeah. Well, it's because they don't really include it. <laughs> Any of those ships is a real Navy. Uh, they're just number of boats, pure number of ships. That's what they're talking about, just pure numbers. Um, so anyways, back to this thing. In my book, Ghost of the Day, I wrote the story about a reef, a, a shipwreck reef, and I think it's Bahamas, and how divers have reported uh, haunted activities. And, yeah. So my my question to you, Steve, is can a boat under the water be haunted? Well, my answer to you is we're as haunted as any house could be because we don't know what a ghost is. We don't know how a ghost functions. We don't know how a house can be haunted. So on that basis, there's nothing to prevent a boat under the water being haunted as well, because I presume a ghost doesn't need to breathe. Um, so I guess. Well, yeah. where do you go to? Why would you haunt a place? Well, that's one of the questions again. Um, you know, how do we define what a ghost is? Can we demonstrate that they exist? So without that information, why would they exist? We can speculate. Uh, I, I've, I've personally spoken to someone who was an undersea, um, an expert diver, yep. um, and they claim that they've had a paranormal encounter under the water. Um, really? Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I've never dove, dived um don't have any knowledge i i mean there are lots of maritime ghost stories um you know associated with shipwrecks associated with the coast cliffs beaches you know i mean the shoreline is probably the most haunted part of any um landmass if you if you think of the amount of ghost stories even on the new england coast that relate to lighthouses, islands. Yeah, but you have them in interior too. You have them everywhere. Yeah, you do. But I mean, if you if you take a, as a proportion of the total landmass, oh, um, that's a different story. Okay. Then I, I, I then I would suggest that, that you know per square mile there are more ghosts associated with 
the edge between the edge of the land. Um, but I mean, aren't we just slanting, slanting figures like the North Korean Navy? I mean, basically, you were saying, okay, no, not for, really, for because I mean, I, I, why don't we? No, I live in Pembrokeshire, which is surrounded yes. on three sides by yes. by the coast. It's a peninsula. Yeah, um, and and so we have lots of um, coastline. We also yes. have. Uh, you know, we are on the edge of the big landmass of mountains and hills and yes. et cetera, et cetera. But almost, you know, there are ghost stories associated with all of the castles and some of the churches, some of the roads and lanes and fields even. Um, you know, there are structures here that date back to the Bronze Age. But predominantly, the majority of the ghost stories relate to that narrow strip of land and i'm i'm talking you know 100 meters uh, yeah that's what's your thing is it's all subjective you know you say the coastline how, how you know is 23 miles in the coastline I, no no no, no. I, I, in fact, I i was very specific i said within 100 meters or so certainly half a mile of see, i would the... i would kind of disagree with that uh, it, but you're, really? you're I, but i could yeah because i i can see what you're saying if you're saying it for uh the amount of territory so but if i in sheer numbers i would bet you there are more ghost stories of course because you've got line. more land but yeah. if you yeah but if you if you actually say where is the greatest concentrations of ghost stories i mean there is a there is a stretch of land between uh two coastal villages here Mm-hmm. Um, they are barely a mile apart, and there's a trackway uh, that the public use as a coastal path, you know, for hikers and uh, recreational walkers. And in that mile-long stretch, there are five ghost stories. Now, I can't think of another mile of path or mile of, you know, you draw a straight line mile anywhere mm-hmm. where there are two ghost stories. Yeah, but uh, and I think it's something. It, I think it's something historical. You know, is it historical so, or is it? Well, is it, the psychologists say if you go to a place that looks haunted, then you're going to no, see no, no, ghosts. no, 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 no. You know, no, so no, it's the same the, thing. People associate, you no, know, I, lighthouses say, and castles and. No, what I'm referring to is there is kind of um, a psyche element involved, not psychic psyche. Okay. We are, we are, you know, you live, you, you've been down Please to the coast. Please don't say we're 90% water, so. No, but okay. you've, you've, you've been down to the beach. You've walked on the beach. You've yes. left your back doing it. We, we, there is a sort of romantic attachment that we have to the ocean. Yeah. To the sound, to the. Yes. Yeah. I'm agreeing with all of this. And, and I think that that affects our perception of phenomena. Um, there are, you know, there are countless stories in America and in the UK uh, and, and in Ireland in between us of um, wraith-like ladies who stand on the clifftops looking longingly out to sea, waiting for their beloved husband yes. to come back. There are innumerable haunts. How many hitchhikers are there too? Yeah, but if you take a mile of coastal path and a mile of highway, 
Yeah, I know. You You're going sheer distance. I understand that totally. You know, I, I just think there is a greater concentration. But then plus, again, you're plus, including areas of land that absolutely uninhabited. So why would they have ghost stories? So well, I mean, if you took off of our all that section, is, then you most would of have our to coastline, measure. most of our coastline and most of the coastline of North America is uninhabited. Not really. Yeah. No, it not, is not in the United it, States. It's like it million dollars. You can buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you actually, you know, map out the number of areas where there is settlement uh, versus the length of the coastline, so I would, more... if on that on that thesis, I would be intrigued to say, okay, how many uh, ghost stories associated with lots of land where there is no inhabitants at all versus land well, where we there are inhabitants. Well, well, we wouldn't know that, would we, if they're not inhabited? No, we wouldn't. One, that's the, that's one the of the essentials <laughs> is you've got to have somebody there to experience the ghost. Yeah. But there is a long-standing, although never been definitively proven, um, that ghosts are associated with water. The ghosts yeah. tend to be in areas that are wetter, more humid, near rivers, streams, bridges, uh, how much, valley. How so, much does yeah. that get to do with religious beliefs where they believe well, that perhaps, running water perhaps from a huge, traps the soul? And, perhaps and, a huge amount. Perhaps a huge amount. I mean, our, our uh, you know, Iron Age ancestors used to worship their deities by throwing, breaking and throwing um, their weapons, gold, silver, um, precious items into um, lakes and rivers. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we did consider the water to have magical, mystical properties. Sure. So it's not We're really Excalibur, right? Yeah. So it's not really surprising that remnants of that folklore and mythology pay into our culture and become the ghosts of the present the wraith standing uh -huh. on cliff tops the the wind blowing in off the off you know off the off the ocean can make strange sounds the the noises of the ocean you know sea dolphins and whales and they, these sounds which are familiar but different to us sound like people crying or shouting for help yeah and and stories grow up around them exactly i i remember doing rose island lighthouse and one of the stories that if you're in a tower you can hear a baby crying so we went up there yeah you sound like a baby but it was the seagulls uh and the other thing about the the ocean or, or yeah the ocean and the seacoast is that uh sound travels oh it does does great distance over the, the water it, it you're absolutely right it does um you know double or treble that over over land because a flat surface doesn't attenuate sound waves mm -hmm. um you know so i i do you know we've come a bit off topic with you know yeah, we have. underwater but there is a strong association of ghosts with water mm -hmm. and we neither of us can definitively say that ghosts can't haunt, hunt underwater Haunt underwater, I should underwater. say. Underwater? Do they hunt you underwater? They might do. They, they might, might do. Huh? They yeah. might do. And as I say, I've spoken to people who claim a first-hand experience, but I guess that too is subjective because I don't know what the experience was. I didn't. We didn't have a chance to go into detail. Uh -huh. um, but 
to them, it was a genuine experience. And you take a shipwreck. I mean, everybody remembers Titanic, which is far from yeah, the great yeah. loss. I mean, there was about 1,300 on Titanic. There was a, a ferry in the Philippines, I think 4,500 drowned on that. It was HMS Barham that yeah. blew up nearly instantaneously in World War II, the beginning of World War II. And there was a big um, one on Chicago Lake that t- capsized because everybody went to one side. And... Exactly. There was the one in there was the one that was uh, mentioned in Jaws, which was the oh, yeah. American battleship delivering H bombs to uh, to uh, drop on Japan that that itself sank. Yeah, um, so and, it, and it was so secret nobody knew about it, and that had a huge loss. So I mean, maritime disasters are usually result in, you know, significant loss of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you've investigated some ships, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I've investigated several um, ships on the water and ships, you know, and places associated with ship, ship building yards. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's a, I mean, I, I've, I've been on, a half a dozen ships. There's the SS Great Britain. There's, um, there's. But have you ever gone to one and say, "Oh my God, this is the most haunted place I've ever been"? No. No. Okay. I... So it's all subjective, you know. That it is. That's it, what it, I was. It is. In fact, I've been to many locations that describe themselves as the most haunted. This, that, and the other. Okay, oh, ideas. Most haunted house, castle, pub, toilet. This is the most haunted show, by the way. Yeah, the most haunted brush handle. You know, there are many, many ways in which these people try to promote their haunting. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I think back to some of these places, like, for example, um, the ancient ram in Gloucestershire. Yeah. This a, a building that has a reputation that's probably well known in America as well. Uh, and if it isn't, simply Google the ancient ram in haunting. Uh, everybody now, who watched most haunted knows it. Well, yeah, but I mean, it, it's it, it's still one of the you know the the premier places for groups to go. And there's one of the, the rooms there called the bishop's room. And whilst I was there, well, whilst I was there, the owner said, "You, you, nobody should spend the night in this room. You must never lie on the bed. You must never fall asleep." And yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I did. You're still here? I'm still here. That's amazing. We have to take a break. Sorry about that. We'll let you finish up on the way back. All right. So anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick right on, here on TojiNet. Brought to you by our very good friends of Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon who help uh, help us produce this show. So thank you very much for that. And uh, we come back, we'll finish up on this uh, underwater haunting thing. And I have another subject I wanted to talk to you about as well. We'll be right back after messages. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event? 
book or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Chronicles Extravaganza. This is the international bit with New England's own Van Helsing and the gold standard. Mm, that's me. All right, so we're finishing up on that. By the way, I, I did look in that. The 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 haunting experiences scuba diver uh, experience was voices, which is interesting underwater. And uh, also... The, the ghost went... That, that's interesting, whether you hear it clear. Now... There are reports that people have heard uh, clear voices. I, well, I remember we you, did. No, you can hear sound underwater. Yeah, I um, we did an experiment. Uh, we did a cruise. It was a, a public event, and uh, we had a gentleman uh, with us that uh, you know does EVPs. And, and so, anyways, he had a uh, what do you call those things you stick in the water? A special. Well, he hydrophone. made a special. Yeah, it was special hydrophone, and uh, he did an EVP session in the water, and he came back with some uh, interesting results. Let's put it that way. And to to Bob, me, that was Bob. Was it Squidward? Yeah. No, it was actually what uh, uh, appeared. That would appear to be sounds. Uh, uh, well, this is what he surmised. I, I should say that uh, the the words that he picked up was like uh, a submarine crew, and as uh, yes, no way, uh, it was. Um, oh, I was going to say it was. Uh, uh, yeah, it sounded like a submarine crew, not as a, like you know something like hot in here. Um. Uh, there were some other things I forget what the heck it was because it was so long. I, you know, I, I didn't really know I was going to bring it up. So, but yeah, it was some random words that you could fit to this record of a submarine that was actually not too far away. So, but it was intriguing. I'm sure you could. Have I, I don't put much space in it. <laughs> Excuse me. I actually, during one of our trips to Loch Ness, um, I actually mm-hmm. took a hydrophone and we connected it up for 24 hours. 
and made a 24-hour recording of um, the underwater acoustics in Loch Ness, in case Nessie wanted to, you know. Did he say anything? No. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we were playing with the hydrophone, you know, one of the, I mean, sound travels a lot further underwater than it does through air. Um, because of the different transmission speeds. And it's well known, for example... Oh, isn't it density? Isn't Sorry? it density slow it down? Wait a minute, I thought water slowed down sound. No, it speeds it up. Underwater? Underwater, it speeds it up. The speed of sound in air is... No, no that doesn't make sense, because that would... It is, it's faster. Because the, the, the medium is denser, so it, the sound wave actually travels... Oh, okay, down. yes, yes, okay, now I get it, okay. Yeah, and... Um, I mean, it's well known, for example, you know, given these huge distances that whales, I don't mean the country, I mean the species, um, <laughs> although, you know, nowadays mean the gender, um, you could identify as a whale. What are your pronouns? Mm. Um, they communicate, you know, the entire sort of length of a continent underwater um, using, you know, different sounds. And whale sounds have been picked up, um, you know, from the South Atlantic in the North Atlantic. And indeed, whale sounds in the Pacific have been picked up in the Atlantic, showing just how far sound can actually travel underwater. Yeah, it's, it's cool stuff. But, uh, oh, and one more update I wanted to give you, too, before I, we move on to another subject, is that um, last week we talked about a public event I did in in uh, the hack shack experience that I had mm-hmm. or shack hack, whatever the hell it was and how it got the guy's name and everything else. And, and how this, this oh, person yeah. Supposed, yeah. supposedly was murdered and his body was dumped in the ocean. Well, I yeah. just found and, and, and the spirit asked for this guy's help. As I find out is this, this gentleman owns a scuba diving company, a company, scuba diving company. How how bizarre is that? How bizarre is that? Well, he lives on the coast. It might not be that bizarre, but did you did you make yeah? But the question the the question that I posed was: Hmm. Did you find any record of the attack in the mid nineteen fifties that resulted in this poor guy ended up in the ocean? I have not. Because something like that would have you know would be somewhere in the archives. Yeah, you would have to go to the old newspapers. Actually, the uh, the entry would probably yeah. have it in it. I've I've given the information to Roxy. Well, actually, I haven't. I, that's one of my things I have to do. But uh, as you know, I've got surgery coming up, so yeah. I've been dealing with a lot of that right now. So uh, anyway, uh, yeah, that's something I have to do. I still have to have Roxy, uh, you know, do some research on this. Because it's it's intriguing. It's the whole thing is intriguing to me. I well, it'd be you know, even more intriguing if you do find. Else? Well, it depends. Yeah. I mean, if if you find you know that information that corroborates what was said on the Shack Hack, then it becomes you know a, a little bit more interesting. Even more. Yeah. Yes, it does. <sighs> Which would break my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Anyway. Because you know what I think. <laughs> it's always be, it's always worth changing your minds. Never take a fixed position. I know. Oh, well, you know I did. You, you know, since 
window with us. My mind has changed many times, almost as much as a woman's mind changes. Uh, but anyway. You so, can identify whatever you like nowadays. It's perfectly all right. So, so there's there's an interesting article I came across as it's well. It's called Ronetta. Ronetta. Uh, Victoria. That's Ronnie, right? I don't know. Yeah, shot for uh, Victoria is Vicky and also Ronnie. Yeah, but my co-host on the West Files is Ronnie, and that's just her name. Oh, okay. Oh, no, Veronica. Veronica. Yeah. Yeah, Victoria. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, uh, Veronica, you're right. You know how I school every name up in the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, my my question uh, was this other article. Anything else we want to finish up on the underwater? No, no, no. I think we're, I think we're um, done. Hmm. Have there been? Do you know of any EVP? Uh, I mean, that would seem like if there was anything, it would show up because there are, you know, there are like, for instance, the University of New Hampshire has hydrophones up by Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse in the water. Uh, okay. You would think that there are many, would... many hydrophones around the world that you can access using the internet and make that... your own listening recordings. And yeah, and, um, so I, I'm just. I suppose it's as good as using Google Earth to look for the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 interesting to see if anything was picked up. I mean they they well, did find the bloop. You know, I mean, blurp, I've you know. I mean there have been some unusual sounds picked up. The bloop, the blurp, yep, and the, the one or two others that I think there's about half a dozen that they can't really. But if you, uh, I mean, if you've ever listened to a hydrophone, um, you will realise that the ocean, um, or even Loch Ness. <laughs> Is incredibly noisy. Very noisy, yes. <laughs> and it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't take much of a stretch to turn some of those noises and sounds and what have you into words, because yeah. it's not sound that we're used to. You know, it's all unfamiliar sound. Uh, this isn't sound that we ever ever hear, um, and so you, we have no familiarity with it. But often it can resemble, you know, the the, the pattern of words. Um, and so it wouldn't be a huge stretch to find that people like there were some devices around in the um, just after World War Two that used um, acoustics. They made. It, it wasn't white noise. They just made appalling, screeching, wailing uh, noises that people said encouraged the spirits to speak. Uh, one of these was a device oh, yeah. that, that Cal and I got hold of. Um, and it just it just made a lot of noise. But you put it on during the seance um, and you, you started to, there were several times while we were testing it, um, that the noise it was making resembled distorted speech. And you started your brain then starts doing what it's what it's designed to do, which is try and make sense of it. Yeah. And interpret yep, paradolary it. effect. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so what happens is if you I mean, if somebody sat there with a pair of headphones on listening to hydrophones for a, a, a period of time, mm -hmm. I would wait. I would wager, you know, a lot of money and win that they would quite quickly start to identify speech like sounds. 
Yeah, I think I brought this up. Oh, it's well, if they were a believer, if they believed that that was EVP, if somebody said, hey, mm-hmm. they're, the, they're the spirits of submariners or you know, the ancient mariner or a marinated meatball mm-hmm. trying, to, trying to, you know, call out for help, then they're going to fit the, the sounds to what the story is. Right. And, and I've mentioned, I think I thought it was on last week show but i've mentioned it many times that you know if you put a fan in a window and you go to sleep yep. and I, you hear music or you hear voices and, yep. and that's basically the same it thing a, it, it, you don't yeah. even have to believe in the paranormal your brain just no and, and we actually had a very good example of that um I've had, it's happened to me twice now um where we, when we were measuring infrasound at the shipyard um we had the infrasound equipment um under test but during the investigation that was running concurrently with what we were doing, a lot of people were reporting in their notes. They were writing that they, because we have our group write down everything, you know, what they're thinking and feeling and, right. and worrying about. And um, and a lot of people were saying, oh, uh, I felt, you know, I like there was a tune playing in my head. I felt like um, I was singing a song. I felt like I could hear singing. And we we noticed that the wind had picked up significantly, um, and that some of the pipework uh, in and around the shipyard was kind of acting like a milk bottle when you blow over the top of it and making these musical oh, yeah. tones, and it was causing the brain to respond by thinking of music. Think, I mean, not everybody was thinking; nobody thought of the same song. Mm-hmm. But people were thinking about, you know, like having a tune stuck in your head or. Um, and then there was another occasion where people were saying they can hear the sound of music being played. They couldn't identify it, but they could all distinctly hear it. Um, we had a recorder running. I played the recording back and it was actually we traced it um, to the wind blowing across a vent pipe on the um, toilet output. And it was blowing across it at just the right, and it was making these musical tones. And of course, when the wind shifted, it you know, as the wind fluctuated, so the tones would fluctuate as well, and it did resemble musical musical notes and tones. But as you say, when the brain hears these sounds, it tries to make sense of it, and it does that by trying to relate it to something within its database of you know, songs, sounds, speech, whatever it might be. And you can, you can, you know, we have many databases in our brains and depending upon how you program it, if you tell people we're going to do EVP and, you know, there was a submarine that sank over there and you can hear sounds that sound like voices, well, I'm not going to be that surprised if people start to hear dead submariners shouting for help. That's why you see these groups and they do their EVPs. They tell you what the EVP is ahead oh, of time yeah. so, so that people will. Well, EVP always them. works best if you. I mean, you, you've been to many talks I've done over at Spirit Quest and other mm-hmm. uh, in America where I've demonstrated how fallible our human hearing is. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, where it, it, you know, with these misheard song lyric uh, videos and how you can pre program. But you've got to tell people what it is that they're hearing or supposed to be hearing. Mm. 
piano. That's, you know, that's, uh, yeah, and that, that works audio, uh, visually as well. It does uh, work visually, but actually yeah. it's more effective acoustically. Um, yes. You know, we, we all understand pareidolia, um, mm-hmm. but acoustic pareidolia, um, or the buzzword, you know, courtesy of um, is matrixing, which is complete nonsense. It, it's not a word that science recognizes, but um, it our brains do it better with sound than visually. And we, we you know, we we see shapes in fires. We we turn everything into faces, doorknobs and the back end of cars, you know, smiley fronts on cars, frowning, you know, faces. Yeah. And and we even have you know light can play a, uh, a, a of course uh, you know light can definitely oh yeah know, I mean we are creatures yeah. we are creatures of the light you know if you if you and it's one of the great problems of ghost hunting you know you suddenly turn the lights off mm-hmm. um, and very familiar shapes and objects suddenly take on menacing shapes I and mean, I oh, remember yeah. as a small boy. Um, being convinced one day that there was somebody standing at the foot of the bed. And so I, I, you know, hastily put the light on to see who was standing at the foot of the bed and realized it was my own dressing gown hanging on the door. (laughs) But, you know, in the darkness, Mm -hmm. things don't look the same and our brain starts to try and fill in the gaps and make sense of things. I mean, I've stood, uh, you know, only in the last couple of years, I've stood in our, looking out because i live uh, adjacent to farmland mm-hmm. i've stood looking out over the farmland at night on a full moon and being convinced that there was somebody crouching down in the field and spent 15 minutes watching the person crouch down in the field wondering why they were there and did they you know were they casing the houses and were they or were they hunting a fox or what what were they doing and why were they so motionless um although i was convinced i could see some some small amount of movement the next morning when i looked again and the sun had come up it was a bush <laughs> but i mean that's dark, one thing that's, yeah it's one thing we used to do in our, our proper investigations that we would we go to the center of the room and do a 360 scan of the room so that uh if at night or another time where the light is different then we can actually see what the room looks like and you know clear yeah. daylight yeah. versus things so. yeah. but that, do, that still doesn't stop the brain being fooled though you know oh, no. I mean, no, you still believe what you saw i'm a highly experienced investigator um and you know i i understand all of these effects on the brain and yet a couple of summers ago I was staring at a bush for 15 minutes, expecting it to, <laughs> to get up and walk away, you know, wondering what it was doing because my brain had turned this clump of vegetation into a person. Yep. Because, you know, it's trying to make sense of the shapes it can see. Um, and, you know, in, in moonlight, bright full moonlight can be very bright. But it's also slightly different than sunlight. And, you know, our brains are used to dealing with. And this is one of the problems with things like so-called full spectrum photography or thermal imagery, because what you're seeing is a representation, an image, uh, a picture. um, But it's it's done in an unfamiliar way. You've seen how 
how um oh yeah how heat reflects off off you know objects off objects in yeah. such a way as you know it has a thermal reflection that mm -hmm. you would never see you see this figure standing there looking back at you and you put the lights on there's nobody there you look at the thermal image and there's a figure standing there this sort of ghostly figure standing there which is your own heat reflection coming back off the surface sure. but our brain, I mean, you always demonstrate that when putting your hand on the surface and you take your hand off and you can yeah, see how the but our brain you know we see a picture and our brain relates it to the only thing that it understands which is a two-dimensional photograph and you know it tries to fill the gaps in quite frankly i think that that's a, what a great deal of the ufos are, are are simply objects that our brain doesn't recognize and and we might you know we hear all about the ufos or we might be a ufo enthusiast and automatically they become oh. ufos Oh yeah. I mean, you know, when you've got nothing to gauge something against. So, for example, if there is an object in 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 the sky against a plain blue or white or grey background sky, um, if you look at an aeroplane that's coming into land at, at Logan, um, it's sometimes difficult to decide whether it's coming towards you or away from you, or whether you're looking at the left side or the right side of the aircraft. Because you have nothing to gut to to judge it against. Um, the other impossible, you know, when people say, "Oh, this UFO appeared and it was bigger than a whole squadron of B fifty two bombers," is it, well, was it, or was it small and nearby, or was it very large and far away? How are you scaling that? Because you've got no point of reference against the sky, which is just a plain, you know, uh, background. Wasn't that one of the problems with the surgeon's picture of the, of uh, Nessie? Is that it was well, only cut and centered? It was it was cut and centered on a you know on a, a small object that was close by. Mm -hmm. You know it, it was it was two or three feet from the shore. Right. Um, but these are the problems. You know when people say, "Oh, I saw these lights and they were you know like hundreds of feet across," and or it was twenty miles you know high, or it was it flew just over the roofs of the houses. Was it? And how could they make that judgment? Because a couple of years ago on a Halloween, on a, um, November the 5th, when we celebrate bonfire night, Guy Fawkes with fireworks, we were out on top of a hill watching, we took the boys out to watch a firework display, big organised firework display. And during the course of the evening, I noticed that, um, you know, after we arrived, there was a large group of people pointing at this weird light in the sky. And it was it was changing color. It was intensely bright, but changing color. It was it was moving from side to side, and it was going up and down. And they were going, "Oh, look, it's a UFO! It's a UFO!" Um, and I couldn't figure it out for a couple of minutes, and then realized what I was watching was a drone. And <laughs> proof of that, I, I, I videoed it, and proof of that what that it was a drone was when it, after a couple of more minutes, it descended down to the houses. And then you could scale it against the houses and, and then it landed. But mm -hmm. then you could realize, actually, it was a very small, you know, uh, Mavic type DJI drone. Somebody was using the drone to video the firework display. Um, but against the sky, when it was above the houses and you had no points of reference, then it looked very, very unusual. 
And I, you know, I could easily see why these people were getting so excited about this possible UFO. I did want to mention one other thing uh, quickly, and because we are running out of time, is that uh, there is more and more proof now uh, that, uh, do you know what a time reflection is? Uh, no. Well, uh, let's see if I can do this in a short period of time. You know that uh, magnetic wave uh, can be re, re, uh, reflected, right? Light, yeah. sound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, spatially. Well, yeah. they now believe it can be reflected temporally as well. Oh. Uh, so... so... It would be like uh, if you if you were able to, and, and the, the problem with this, of course, is is to really capture a great deal of energy more than we can produce at this time. But they think this is the the beginning of quantum computers that they'll be able to uh, make quantum computers uh, from this um, discovery. Theory. Yeah, discovery. Thank you. Uh, so it, it, yeah, it's it's basically, uh, uh, it's it, it's hard to describe in a short period of time. But I'll tell um, you what, I'll have a I'll have a read on the physics behind it and report back next. Okay. Time. All right, that that would works good because we are just about yeah. out of time. And and um, I I thought I'm it was end, interesting. I'm going to end on. We, we may in three years time be the end of the world, or we're going to certainly experience something Again? very unusual. Well, no, this is legitimate. This, no, this is legitimate. This comes from um, you know, the top astronomers, yeah, uh, even even higher, um, that in three years' time, two giant, super giant black holes are going to collide, um, and we are in a prime location to witness it. And we might get... Oh, cool. Uh, scientists are really excited because they, they get to measure the gravitational waves that this, this mm. thing, this event will generate. Before and, it destroys uh, us. <laughs> no, no, no. There's no danger of it being of us being destroyed, but we get oh. to um, observe, um, and it, it's apparently the first time in you know that they in thirty, forty thousand years that an event like this has taken place, and they're all terribly excited and they're launching stuff and building stuff and all getting ready to um, to observe this collision of black holes. That's going to hurt. Unless Putin nukes us in the meantime. Yeah, could happen. Anyway, so we are coming up towards the end of the show. Uh, anyways, so if you have any questions for us, you'd like to yeah. uh, uh, have us debate, answer, whatever, uh, you can uh, once again uh, message us on the Ghost Chronicles uh, International page, or you can... Uh, Message me as Ronald Kolick on Facebook, or you can email me at neghostproject at comcast.net. That's neghostproject at comcast.net. Anyways, uh, today's show is brought to Over. you. <laughs> what the heck was that? I don't know. Today's show is brought to you by uh, Circles of Wisdom, 286 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, the Messias Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North Andrew, Massachusetts, <laughs> and our very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. Uh, who? I miss the pizza, Bill. Yeah, I do too. The pizza from the dead. 
anyway. So, uh, any last words, Steve? We still have a minute left. I give you. No, I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, I'm just looking forward to what hopefully be a very busy year paranormally. Oh, good for you. So lots of uh, lots of preparation going on at the uh, lots of projects uh, for lots of projects. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Unfortunately, one of them isn't Spirit Quest this year, sadly. No. Speaking of Spirit Quest, it is the 29th, 30th, and October 1st. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Go to nyghostproject.com and uh, you can catch all the information on that. So stay tuned for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation uh, with my original co host, Maureen Wood. So that's kind of cool. Um, so anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, once again, if you have any questions, submit them to us, and you all be safe out there, and uh, you know, get your get your spot for the uh, clip the black holes. You gonna wear sunglasses for that, Steve? Uh, no big uh, like I don't know. They're black holes. Would they? There you go. Would I need sunglasses? Of course you would. You'll go blind. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Good night, everyone. God bless. <laughs> Good night. There's plenty of other things that make you go blind as well. I know. <laughs>